listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. What's up, everyone? Chris Lopez here, and welcome back to another Drinks and Deep Dives. Today, we got our factoid on some ADU updates here in Sloan's Lake. We've got some clients on here who are using the Nomad strategy who just bought a great five-bedroom house in Ruby Hill. So we're going to talk about their strategy and also their uh, numbers on that property. So we got Stacey Rosansky. Stacey, how are you? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks. Yeah, this will be fun. And then we got David and Mandy. Good morning, guys. Or good afternoon. Good yeah, afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so so Stacey, roll us into the factoid and give us some ADU knowledge. So I know yeah. this is uh just this a, is up your alley. <laughs> just the most recent ADU news for Denver. Um last month, City Council approved Sloan's Lake neighborhood, uh sweeping you know, that all properties are eligible for ADUs. So no longer have to go through a spot rezoning. Any zoning will be eligible. Obviously, you still have to meet certain requirements, but just takes the hassle out of knowing all the zoning details. So no, regardless of what your zoning is, you can build an ADU, but assuming you still have to have like the proper lot size and setbacks exactly. and things like that. Yep. And so they first did this for Chaffee Park. I think that was already last year. Um, and now this year, Sloan's Lake. And then it looks like East Colfax is the next neighborhood that they're looking to change the the, the rules for. So what impact do you think will have on ADUs being built in Sloan's Lake? Is there, have, you, have we seen anything in Chaffee Park? Has that had like I think it's too soon to tell. Um, I haven't seen any information on number of permits pulled or things like that. Um, Sloan's Lake actually had already had a lot of ADU zoning, favorable zoning there. So it shouldn't have a huge um, impact on that. But it's just, you know, as with these guidelines loosen up, hopefully the, the idea is that we'll see more and more ADUs popping up. All right. And on the note of ADUs, I mean, you and I met, I think it was last week, Stacy. We have tentatively planned a six-part series right now on a new ADU course, which will be really cool. That's the plan. We're going to record those, uh, I think, early October and have those out uh, soon after that. So lots of cool information, bringing on the lender, bringing on the builder, doing some deal analyses. So that updated ADU course is coming out before the end of the year is the plan. Stay tuned. Um, yes. <laughs> All right. Let's jump in the deep dive here. David, Mandy, we already said welcome, but uh, let's jump in. Kind of just tell us about you and tell us how you got into real estate. Like, what, how did you get bit by the real estate bug? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, for years, I'd heard about ADUs. Uh, my old boss used to have a rental in his basement and I'd go over to his house. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Like he has someone helping pay his mortgage. Um, that's all I knew about real estate. Uh, we bought our first house three years ago uh, in 2018. Loved it, lived in it for a while, uh, had our first kid, and we're like, great, we need to move up. Sorry, was that property did you buy just as with investing in mine or just, hey, no, we need to buy all. a house? Um, we just wanted to buy a house. Yeah. That was it. We did not know anything about what converting it to a rental would be like or what our strategy, we had no strategy. It the was, strategy was to live there. It wasn't even on the radar. <laughs> like, the, it was just, this is this is our starter home. Let's let's move in for our family. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I know it's been the Thornton. What's the basic layout? It is, uh, so it's a townhouse, uh, but just two uh, side-by-side um, garage in between them. So it's pretty separate. Uh, it is a pretty simple floor plan, um, living room, dining room, kitchen downstairs, 
upstairs, three bedrooms, uh, one one bath up there. So good starter home. Sounds like a good rental property as well. Yep. Yeah. Or future rental property. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Then as you and you you bought that, but then at some point you've always been financially, you know, savvy, David. Real estate came on came on the radar at some point. Yeah, that came in about a year and a half ago, uh, just before COVID. I started listening to uh, financial independence podcasts. I was like, "This is a great topic." I've always sort of knew about this information, but then I put lo- a lot more education behind it, um, and then from there, I just branched off into real estate and bigger pockets. Our podcast, <laughs> yep, <of> standard, <laughs> yep, <Yeah>. exactly, <laughs> same old, same old. So as you're going through this, like, what was like? What what caught you from, you know, made you say, hey, real estate, this is what we want to start doing. Like, what what about it caught you or caught your attention? I think I, I've i always been a DIYer. Um, I love doing work on my home. Uh, so that's something that I really valued. Our, uh, our property in Thornton was just about uh, 17 years old or so mm-hmm. uh, when we bought it. So in good condition. Uh, but there were small projects here and there that I started doing. And I'm like, I like this. I could see myself stu- doing this. Uh, probably don't want to become a flipper um, at any point. But doing those small projects is something that I have a passion for. And that's certainly what we're working on now uh, with this new property. <laughs> and then, I mean, man, it sounds like he's kind of taking the lead on the the real estate and financial strategy. What was your... I'm always curious, like the partners, like where are you, where are you in the process with it? And like, how on board are you? Or, you know, what was your reaction to getting into real estate investing? Yeah. Uh, great question. David started w- doing the financial independence podcast and started coming up with all these strategies and then started talking real estate. And I come from a family where um, my parents had real estate investment properties growing up. And so I knew it was a good idea. I knew it was a, mm. a viable way to grow wealth. Um, and David kept coming back with these numbers and they looked really good and they made a lot of sense. And I was like, yeah, okay, let's, okay, let's do it. (laughs) So um, there's not a downside. We're, uh, especially with nomading, we're a pretty flexible family. So I don't mind moving if it means we get closer to financial independence. Like, heck yeah, let's do that. Uh, (laughs) Awesome. And I know when we first talked, um, you know, we started talking about real estate investing a while ago. And then I think the first thing on your radar was you wanted to do more of a house hack with the mother-in-law sweeter 80, right? Mm-hmm. Where did that come into play? Like, why? because you, you're following more than Nomad, you didn't do that. Yeah. Like, just walk us through your thought process. It was a straight numbers um, thing to me. I saw how much we could make if we did rent out uh, another part of the unit. We didn't want to do room by room, um, but if it was a separate a basement or something like that, um, having that income to really help with our mortgage um, would really accelerate us uh, towards our goals. Um, And that is not what we ended up doing. (laughs) Well, we looked at uh, a bunch of properties actually with Stacy that were ADU ready or could easily be converted um, for, you know, the the ideal setup of the live upstairs, basement rental downstairs. Um, We ran into some zoning things where we learned that you would, we would have to live in the property in order to rent it out as two separate units. We couldn't move out and have two tenants. Um, so that kind of put a put a cramp in the style because it made the numbers not look as good. Um, and then also we have a young family. We have a, a young son. I'm pregnant with number two. Uh, and having a tenant in the basement, uh, I can't imagine which would be worse, having the baby wake up the tenant or having the tenant wake up the baby. So that was also a concern. So as you kind of started walking property, Stacey, like what was the evolution? I'm sure you probably saw like their, you know, their, their thinking changed. Like kind of talk about the process of walking some properties, 
things you talked about from your perspective, you know, you help a lot of people buy properties. Yeah. Um, what do you see from your perspective? I think, you know, they were, we were always looking at the numbers. So we saw the, like, the difference in, all right, you're, you are also paying up for these properties with a full kitchen in the basement. Um, those are going to be more expensive. And so they started to look at what does it look like if, you know, we just find a house to live in for ourselves and does, will that still work for us converting that into a rental a year later? So that's sort of how we switched a little bit through the process. And honestly, a lot of the, um, homes we saw with mother-in-laws needed a lot of work still, like, Mm -hmm. even you know, they might have had part of a kitchen or, needed the egress or, you know, whatever it might be. So those were added costs in there as well. Okay. And ultimately guys just figured, Hey, let's just do straight nomad, keep it simple and right balance for family and numbers. Yeah, I think so. And it's worked out really well. Shortly after we began this process, David got a different job and started working from home. I've always worked from home. Um, and then now we, we will have two kids. So we need we kind of need four bedrooms and it's hard to find a four bedroom property. That's also a house hack. Yep. So, uh, it's kind of worked out for the best. I think that if we'd end up ended up with one of the house hack properties that we'd looked at, we'd, we'd already be kind of out of space and trying to figure out what we were doing. So it's really worked out for the best. Cause you guys have separate home offices. We, yes. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. All right. So let's, um, talk about this property. You guys walk properties. I mean, approximately how many did you walk? Do you think? Five, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And before going to the details of this, what stood out to you? What made you say, like, what was it and said, hey, this looks interesting? Ooh, uh, I think this was actually the first property we walked that was, we were only looking at as a single family home without renting out uh, additional space in it. Uh, and I think it was the timing that really made me jump at it. Um, we, <laughs> we saw it listed, I think, on a Sunday night. Uh, so we're like, oh, this is great. We can get in there, get in there really quickly, um, see it and hopefully get an offer in. Um, and we had, I think they were taking offers until Wednesday. So that timing really made it stand out different from everything else that goes up on Thursday and Friday, uh, and has a lot of competition. Yeah. The house itself, um, it had the space that we were looking for, uh, with our two-year-old and another baby on the way. Um, and it was in from the podcast, I'd heard that Athmar Park is really a, a great priced location to be. A lot of appreciation coming there in, in future years. And Ruby Hill is just south of there. Um, so I saw that geographic location and thought this would be a great appreciation play. And we'd lived in this neighborhood or, um, a, I don't know, a couple blocks from this neighborhood when we first moved to Denver in our very first apartment. So there was some uh, familiarity with the area um, as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. And the yeah. price. I remember it was... <laughs> listed at 395. So finding something in Denver proper, a single family home under 400 was like, whoa. It's slim pickings. We got to mm-hmm. jump on this. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's on a Sunday night. Like, I mean, don't know why those on Sunday night, but good good for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's your reaction when you see this property, Stacey? Because I don't, I think that's a small nuance a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. I mean, typically to get the most traffic, you're going to list your property on a Thursday and let it go through the weekend. So who knows? There's a, tons of reasons why it just didn't get listed till that the end of the weekend, but that worked to our advantage. So, all right. Well, we're gonna jump here in the spreadsheet in in one minute, but we got some photos to. I'm just gonna scroll through from the listing photos. Um, who wants to give us an overview of the property? I'll do it. Oh, all right. <laughs> 
Go for it, Mandy. Yeah, so I, I was kind of the one that advocated for this property. David, initially, if you can see it, it's <laughs> it's not beautiful <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, and so I really advocated for it. It's a, um, it was listed as a five-bedroom. Uh, the fifth bedroom is non-conforming, um, but so it doesn't have any egress windows. Um, and the five bedroom house is is rare in, so in that rare. part, Athmar, Ruby yeah. Hill. But there's usually two or three bedrooms, like and no basement. And yep. yeah, so this this house had um, it has a basement with two be- with three bedrooms, um, and then two bedrooms upstairs. It also has a two and a half car garage and a huge driveway. I think the listing said it can hold nine cars. Um, so it felt really rentable because it was really unique for the area. And especially this area does have uh, a large percentage of people looking to rent property in it. Um, And so that felt really good. Uh, It is a home that needs some love. It has been a rental property for the, since 2008 um, and has not been well-maintained. There were lots of systems upgrades that we needed, but all of the, all the basics were there, the egress windows and the big yard and the, it was all, it's all polishing. What made the fifth bedroom non-conforming? Um, it is, has no windows. Um, so it has a closet. Yeah, no, no windows, windows. at all. The, and actually, no way to add a window in there? Uh, not really. There are porches on both sides. Mm. Yeah. So a good home office then, huh? Great, great mm-hmm. home office. Um, yeah. And it just, the, as you can see, the garage is enormous. Oh, it's huge. Massive. It's huge. And so especially lots of our neighbors like to work on cars. And so we felt like this would be a huge renter draw for a, you know, a hobbyist or something like that. It could work as a wood shop. There's, um, yeah. it's and wired most of that. these homes, if they have a garage, it's one car. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, mm-hmm. a lot of, most of the homes don't even have a garage. So this looks like a newer garage in the home. Yeah. yeah. And, right? it, and it was fully permitted properly, which was <laughs> <Yeah>. great. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> also rare. Such a relief seeing that. <laughs> yeah. I think the permit said the garage was built in 2011. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, and that's, I mean, stuff too. Like, I mean, you get more rent on the house or you can rent that out separately for, I mean, 200 bucks a month over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some two and a half car garage become, yeah, store stuff, work on cars, you know, wood shop, whatever. So let's pull over the spreadsheet once I find it. All right. Um, all right. I got some updating. So we're going to plug in these numbers live. If you guys listen to the podcast, we'll talk the numbers. It's also on the video, the spreadsheet. So we got Nomad Property here in Ruby Hill. And so that means you're doing owner-occupant property. Um, what was the list price and what was the competition like on this property? List price was three ninety five. dollars um, Competition, I think we had one other offer uh, just due to that timing, I think. Yeah. Um, well, I remember we did definitely a competition because we 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 went in at four twenty to start, um, but we ended up at four twenty eight. So we there was definitely some back and forth. Okay, um, but we had a compelling offer. Four twenty eight. I mean, besides price, any like any other? Um, that... We did have to do a limited inspection and appraisal gap, all that good stuff that you would see. okay, yeah. And what what month did you going to contract on this property? April. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean so. The market the was was, was of, raising. Yeah. 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 Um and what was your like approximate acquisition cost? Thirteen thousand. And let's talk about the inspection because you want you go as people probably know probably know by now, listen to the podcast, you go to a contract. The main first part of the contract is our due diligence period. You get seller's property disclosure, you get title, you get lending numbers, but most importantly, you do your inspection, your sewer scope, your radon testing. 
how did all that go? It was a great learning experience. <laughs> <laughs> you got like a future's a politician here with that type of answer. <laughs> uh, there were a lot of major things that we saw. Um, the air conditioner completely shot. We knew that would need to be replaced. Uh, the roof on the house is in bad shape. There are three uh, layers of roofing up there, uh, which is something that we'll, we'll need to replace soon. Um, that we put off a little bit. The sewer, uh, we did end up replacing that right after we moved in. Uh, it was a bad sewer scope. Um, what was wrong? Just like bellied out or completely? Uh, did belly out. There were lots of cracks, um, lots of offsets. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just knew there it was only time until and the roots. The funny part out. was the listing had advertised that they had done some sewer work and yeah. mm-hmm. they cheaped out on it. <laughs> um, what type of sewer work do they do? They put in some clean outs. Um, I mean, expensive stuff, but they just didn't do the right do it the right way. So we ended up having oh. to redo most of it anyway. Okay. The inspection also found uh, leaning in the walls. Uh, so the inspector came in and put his hand under one spot of the wall and then the other spot of the wall, and there was like a four inch difference. And so he was like, "This house is maybe falling down." <laughs> um, and so then David and I got to have the conversation of our foundation issue is a deal breaker for us. Are we the kind of people who are going to walk away? So we hired a structural engineer um, who came in and for better or for worse was like, yeah, that's how your house was built. They just didn't didn't build the walls straight, which is was an interesting thing to learn. But uh, yeah, so the structural issues were negligible. There are some cracks in the foundation, but they um, just required the property to be regraded. So we... A lot of it felt like holding on when your car is spinning out and you're just like, I just got to hold on. Like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> and it was, and it's a great property. So I'm glad we we held on. But it was it was scary as a first investment property to try to constantly refer back to the numbers. Is this a deal breaker? Or is this, does this just make, uh, make it more of an adventure? <laughs> yeah, and there were some, I mean, big items in there. Oh, yeah. So how was the, like, inspection, objection, resolution, negotiation like? Yeah, Thankfully, we had a reasonable agent and seller on the other side who, you know, we were like, we got bad roof, bad foundation, bad sewer. Those are like the main three components of the house that should be in good condition. Um, And so we were able to get 15,000 in concessions for those items. Nice. And what was I know you said you've already done the sewer and some other stuff. Like, what was your estimate for some of the initial repair cost? Ooh, I believe that was. Right around fourteen thousand. Okay, so about fourteen thousand, and sewer, ace. What was it? sewer? Uh, we're holding off on the AC. Um, thankfully, we got through the hottest part of the summer. Um, <laughs> we are doing grading around the foundation on the exterior. Uh, that was Is that just DIY. No, uh, we're having uh, someone come in and do that, um, and we were very happy with his quote. I think around thirty five hundred dollars. Um, and all the work that he's doing is beyond what I would have thought of or what I, I could do. Oh, great. Yeah. And then the rest of that was a lot of small things. Uh, we replaced the uh, countertops in the kitchen, just did laminate again. Um, and a lot of uh, small things here and there. Bought a washer dryer, bought a new fridge because the old one was dying. Um, so just doing all those things that we would want in there to make it rent ready. Okay. Great. So, I mean... You got over the big items, took care of a lot of small stuff, which is just par for the course. Uh, what about for the financing? This is owner-occupied in here. What what percent down did you do? We did 5%. So 5% down conventional? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 30 years. Yeah, you have so it as investment property. That matters. It does. No. It's still investment property. 
There, you go. there we go. <laughs> Details, guys. Great. Um, you should see me like chew gum and walk at the same time. Uh, Very impressive. That, we did do the uh, mortgage insurance. We paid that up front. Okay, so that was up front. Yeah. So we're going to switch that to up front. Now, the spreadsheet's estimating about 6500 and that's always an estimate. Mm. Was that reasonable in the ballpark? Yes, I believe it was right around that. Nice. Okay. But that was but that yeah. was included was that included in your closing costs? So your total was thirteen thousand with that? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's why I remember okay. So, so let's just we'll just put this down close yeah. enough. Yeah. Um so we adjusted the acquisition cost from thirteen thousand to about seventy five hundred to offset that PMI uh upfront cost. And that's good enough for podcast math right now. Right. So all in, you know, it's about thirty six thousand dollars all in. That's down payment. Plus all the closing costs, minus the seller credits, plus the initial repair costs. So about $35,000 all in for, you know, a $430,000 asset. That's great. What was your interest rate? Three. Three percent. Mm-hmm. Do you buy any points down on there? We did. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think it started around three, two, five. Okay. I bought it down so three. a little bit of point buy down? Yeah. Um, and, you know, when we talk financing, you know, Usually, right after you go on a contract on a property in a couple of days, you get to the, the lending quotes. They go over the point buy down, PMI if you're house hacking, all that stuff. Uh, but also then, they order the appraisal. Um, you guys did an appraisal gap. How'd that turn out, Stacy? We did very well. We had our appraisal come back over our contract price. So no extra money at the table, huh? <laughs> all right. Instant yeah. equity. Yeah. What'd you do with the instant equity? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Now we're going to look at this as like, if, you know, when you move out, cause this is a future rental property, mm-hmm. like, you know, this is not your dream home. Um, but it's a great future rental property. You live there for a year or so turn out to a rental. What, um, what do you estimate in the rental? Cause this was a rental for 10 years or so. Yeah. So you got some good data. So the seller looks like he put a bit of work into the house before selling it. Um, and prior to that, he was renting it for 1800 a month. Uh, that is I think well below market in this neighborhood, especially for five bedrooms. Conservatively, I think twenty two hundred. Uh, and after this past two weeks looking around the neighborhood, um, I've found that probably twenty four hundred might be uh, more realistic, especially in a year or two when we move out. But uh, I ran the numbers with twenty two hundred. Okay, so we'll stay conservative, which is always the best way to run numbers, and hopefully we are pleasantly surprised versus not. So we'll stick twenty two hundred in here. And then vacancy, I mean, keep it at 5% or do you change your numbers there? 5%. Okay, it should be lower. And then when you move out, are you going to self-manage? Yeah, self-manage. All right, so we'll select no. You'll definitely save some money there. Now, monthly reserves, I'm sorry, monthly reserves and maintenance. Like, what are you putting away on there? You're putting a lot of work into there now, Mm -hmm. which hopefully minimize maintenance for years to come. Yep. But what are you underwriting it at? Uh, I underwrote it at 8%. Okay. So stuck with that. Um, that is actually probably a something we didn't look as closely at. We will be spending a lot more money than we projected while we're still living here, um, getting it rent ready. Well, like what were the big things or what are the big things? I think the, the biggest things are... Uh, some really bizarre things about the layout of the house. The furnace room is uh, not walled off. There's no doors. It's right outside a bedroom. 
Uh, so we need to wall that off, put up fire doors. Uh, we had to pay $1,000 to move the hot water heater. And then I think some upkeep with uh, trees around the property just make it look bad. And I think that's something I want to put money into to really make it more appealing. One of the things I liked about this property was it is, I'm not much of a designer, but there are some really obvious things. We can paint the exterior of the house. The porches are sagging and have peeling paint. We can paint those so we can do some kind of quick hits to really uh, make the property look a lot nicer without having to do throw, I don't know, beadboard on the wall and really do designy things. Yeah. Um, but we will have to do those things in order to make it rentable. So we will have to put some money into it while it's still a primary residence, which is kind of a bummer. Well, some of that stuff I would say, I mean, like, you know, if you guys are in all that, I think you'll be on the higher side of that rent spectrum. That's the hope. <laughs> there's a lot of people getting with a lot less. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you guys are setting higher standards, but a nicer product, which is great. I expect higher rental income. Yeah. So we'll change that here to a minute once we're done. Uh, taxes, we have at what? About 1600 Mm-hmm. What'd you get your insurance quote at? 900 Who'd you get that? Like how that's very, very low. Yeah, uh, so that's through USAA, who we have insurance on our uh, first house. With. Okay. So it, it was just more discounting there for having two properties with them. And then I'm assuming utilities, since this is a single family home, when you move out, tenants are taking care of yep. water, sewer, trash. Well, that's including the property taxes in Denver. They'll take care of Excel. Mm -hmm. What about landscaping and or snow removal? Yeah, snow removal, uh, we'll just put on the tenant landscaping. We are uh, currently, as you saw in those photos, uh, it's all dirt. Um, so we're probably going to try to xeriscape it, make it look a little bit nicer. Um, but we want it to be very low impact for the tenants so they don't really need to do anything. Yep. So landscaping should be minimal then? Because I mean, you guys are doing the work yeah. now. It should be okay. So we got all the variables in here. Um, so let's go to the cash flow tab. So we are estimating when you move out, you're going to be at negative $119 a year. So you're going to lose 10 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. Can you afford that? Sure can. All right. <laughs> so when you see this, I mean, we all want to see like, you know, big positive cash flow numbers. When you saw this and when you underwrote it, what was your reaction? When we first started running uh, numbers on properties, it was when we had the idea of doing an ADU mother-in-law. And we saw these numbers being a lot higher. And we're like, great, we'll be making a little bit of money uh, that will help us reach our, our next property or our next goal. Uh, when we shifted to just doing a single family home for ourselves and then running that out, we adjusted those expectations and we were very happy staying right around 0% um, on the cash on cash for that first year. Yep. Our goal was to cash flow positive by year five. Um, and that, that was kind of our threshold as long as we weren't losing thousands of dollars a year. Uh, and this this property did that. I think for us, it's more about the long-term yeah. game of, I, we don't necessarily need monthly income generated by our properties. We're looking at what is what, what are our finances going to look like 30 years from now. And this property looks awesome for that because it is going to appreciate like crazy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're in that, you know, transitioning part of Denver where it's just, it's growing. Um, I think as we're saying before, before we hit record on the podcast, there's just a bunch of fix and flips going on around you, which is always, you know, that's the obvious sign that the neighborhood's turning, like great area to buy in and just ride the wave. Now, if we go back and we put the rents up to 2,400, which I think is very realistic based on the updates you're doing, the location, and just, you know, we're projecting out a year or two from yeah. now. If we do that, 
Well, now you're cash flow positive, you know, cash flow positive about 2000 bucks a year. Mm -hmm. So this be, kind of becomes like that, that window we look at, like, hey, here's conservative. Here's a little bit more optimistic. And hopefully it's somewhere between these two. Like, hopefully it's somewhere between those two. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is obviously a lot better if we can get up there. Yeah. It was amazing when I was running the numbers to do those small tweaks and see how the uh, cash on cash uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> jumped. I'm like, oh, zero to zero percent to five percent. Okay, yeah. yeah, it's great when you uh, you're only putting five percent down. I know. Isn't yeah. it crazy when you start doing the math on there? Like, mm -hmm. you're, I mean, you're getting a hundred percent plus return. It's pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah. So one thing I want to talk about before we wrap up here, guys, is I know with the property in Thornton that was, uh, you know, a starter home with no intention of real estate investing, but now it's a rental property in your portfolio. What was the transition like of moving out of that into buying for this property? Because a lot of times that can create some extra moving parts when it comes to just figuring things out, lending, all that stuff. So how was that for you? Because all the other couples and families are in similar boats. Yeah, we didn't really think about it when we bought it as a future rental property. Over the three years that we lived there, we would constantly see for rent signs going up in our neighborhood. And our section of the neighborhood with these townhouses is very rentable lots of folks renting in there and every time i look at those listings they just pop up in price a little bit more i'm like oh we can we can get some good money here so we're running out that it's a, a three three one um running it for 2100 a month we when we were looking at those numbers decided to keep it as a rental um, and make that be our first rental property and the unique thing about doing that is that we had to get that, get the security deposit, get the signed lease before we could get approved for our mortgage on this new house. Uh, so it's sort of a, a secondary thing that we had to do in order to move into this next property. Um, and I feel like we just walked sort of walked backwards into becoming a landlord with that property because it wasn't our focus at all um, when we were looking at this new Ruby Hill property. How's it been so far? And I mean, what, four or five months since that's been rented out? It's been great, uh, self-managing it. And that was a great decision. I've got the time. I've got the energy. Uh, I went and replaced a sprinkler head that the lawnmower broke and that was two hours of my time. And I'm like, well worth the money to do this myself instead of, uh, having a property management company, take care of it. Uh, we did learn about last week, uh, that the air conditioner is dead. Um, <laughs> So had a technician go out yesterday, uh, give us some quotes, and I think we're just going to replace the motor on it um, instead of doing the complete overhaul of the system right now. But everything is super manageable. Um, being a landlord is not as difficult as I thought it would have been. Well, the great thing about that property is because we lived in it for three years, it's we put some time and love into it because it was our primary home mm -hmm. and it was our, our first home. So there's, there are fewer systems that'll have issues. The HOA covers the roof, which is awesome. So really the only system is the, um, the big system is the, um, HVAC. Which so, of course went out, which of week. course immediately <laughs> had issues, but <laughs> once but you also know, like you've done some repairs on the home yourself. So you know how things yeah. work. So it makes it a lot easier. Definitely. I, th I think the cool thing about nomading is you're really, really familiar with the property. It's not a property that mm. you've been in a handful of times, or, you know, maybe you remodeled the kitchen for, I don't know, you spent two weeks remodeling the kitchen or something, you know, the house so well. And so when our tenants are having problems with something, we know intimately what's going on and it, it makes it a little easier to to conceptualize how to manage it. Awesome. All right. So last question for you guys. What's the future? Like, what's the plan? Do you have any estimates for when you'll 
go into the next nomad or how many nomads you'll be able to accomplish? Yeah, that's a great question. We are going back and forth, maybe one or two more nomads. Uh, it's probably going to be dependent on the kids when they start entering school. Yeah. We want to be a little bit more stable. Uh, but the primary uh, reason that we, or I guess the primary thing that we're looking at before moving on to our next one is we, the value of our Thornton property jumped up a lot in the last three years. Uh, so we took out a HELOC on that and used that for our down payment on this house. Nice. So it it was a great way to not have to refinance uh, on that mortgage. Um, just use that credit for now. So we're going to be paying that down uh, probably one and a half to two years. Um, and then we'll be ready to probably repeat that, use that HELOC again for the next down payment um, on house number three. That's a great strategy to do. I mean, like take the gift of appreciation we have out here and take the house money and used to buy more properties. Definitely. So one thing I know you guys talk about, you know, you have a two-year-old, another one on the way, you know, get the five or six, get a school zone. We have one couple or one family where they stay in like a really tight radius in, in Littleton. They've got grandparents there, they got school zone and they, they, their plans to be around with, I mean, like a very tight radius. That's an option too, because they're going to stay in the same school that. plan. And they're just like, Hey, we're gonna be patient. But when a property pops up and, this area, it just, all the stars align. And it's just great because they got both sets of grandparents. They got school there. Like, it's oh, a really cool. so they're cool... nomading, but like within the yeah. school boundaries? <laughs> yeah, like in oh, a I really tight area. <laughs> I was like, that's a really good idea. And it took them a few months for this year to buy the next properties because it's such a, you know, right. hot time to market, but tight area. But they got it. And cool. It took them a couple months longer than expected. But in 10 years, who gives it? You know, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I love that concept. A unique uh, thing about us personally is I grew up as a Navy brat, moved every two years, never never had a home. Oh, yeah. We had houses we lived in. Mandy grew up in the same house her entire life. <laughs> um, so we have two very different backgrounds and perspectives on what it is to live in a place. Um, so I think we'll probably talk about that idea and see, hey, could we find a school boundary and just move around in there? I Some, love that. Something that we've always talked about is we don't know that we're people who are going to look for our 30-year home. You know, lots of folks find a house, they move into it, they live in it, they raise their families, and that's that's their home. I don't know if we're the, that kind of people. Yeah. We may just we may just casually keep doing this as really good properties come up. Uh, I don't I don't mind moving. <laughs> I love it. Well, guys, thank you so much. Um, if anyone's get in touch with you, is there any good ways for people to get a Get a touch with you to grab a beer, pick your brain. Yeah, uh, I am on Bigger Pockets, not all that much, uh, but I can be reached on Instagram, uh, and we can throw that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. for the show notes, cool. Stacy, any final thoughts, final questions? No, you guys have an awesome property. I'm so excited for you, and excited for the next adventure. Yeah, you guys have an awesome attitude as well. Like <laughs> your whole process towards like buying it, going through it, like give a really good attitude. So like that's that's an important thing, especially like nomading house hacking. Doesn't show up on the spreadsheet, but it has such an importance factor. It's just, you know, this is, you know, you know, it, it's moving, it's challenging moving every year or two. You're constantly scraping paint off the porch, things like that. <laughs> but like having an attitude makes it so much better. So Good job on that, guys. Yeah, it's a great adventure for us. Yeah. Well, we'll have you back on here once the next Nomad property is crossed off. That'd for be sure. great. And listeners out there, if you guys have any questions uh, for them, reach out. Their contact deals in the show notes. Of course, you can reach out to me or Stacy. We love talking about this stuff. We love doing it. And most importantly, we love helping you go out there and build your portfolio. So thanks a lot. Thanks.